From Schwartz Media and 7am, I'm Ruby Jones, and this is The Vote. With just days to go until the election, our politicians are frantically trying to secure every last vote they can. At this stage of the campaign, the Prime Minister and opposition leader can travel to three different states in a single day, visiting key seats and making announcements to win over undecided voters. So where are they going? What's their pitch? And which campaign is more confident heading into election day? Today, Chief Political Correspondent at the Saturday paper, Karen Middleton, takes us inside the whirlwind final days of the campaign trail. It's Thursday, May 19. Hey, Karen, how are you? Good. Good to hear. Where are you? <laughs> uh, we're in Darwin. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we just we probably haven't got very long. I think we're going to be bundled onto the bus very shortly. There's a tiny bit of corner here where I'm shaded and out of the wind. How about that? Perfect. Okay, good to go. Great. Okay, so the reason that you're in Darwin right now is because you're on the campaign trail. You're travelling with the Prime Minister as he does his final tour of the country before the election. But for those of us who've never been on a campaign bus, could you just tell us how all of this works? It's a highly orchestrated event. These things, they're a little bit different every time there's an election, but there's a lot that's the same. And one of the things that is the same is that it's very stage managed and the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition travel around the country with a bunch of journalists in tow at very set-up events, usually with invited guests. They try to avoid members of the public as much as possible. Anything that's unscripted is dangerous. Generally speaking, the, the two leaders are on their own aircraft and they travel in, in cars and the media who accompany them are on a separate charter flight and travel in a bus. So we only get to see whichever leader we're with a couple of times a day, two or three times a day, and maybe only get one opportunity to ask questions in usually a pretty controlled environment. So it's frustrating as a journalist. You have to be there to ask the questions, but you don't always get called on to ask a question and uh, the person you're asking the questions of doesn't always want to answer. Mm. Okay, and so what's the purpose of this then for the leaders? What does it allow them to do travelling around the country like this? Pictures mostly, mostly images for the television. They use these various visits not only to connect with some local people, but as I say, they're mostly local people who've been invited and they're usually Liberal Party-connected local people, but also to have a visual backdrop to illustrate that they're travelling around the country and particularly going to marginal seats that they either want to defend or try to capture uh, and to to underscore the, the themes that they've chosen for the election. Okay, and so you've actually been on the road for a couple of weeks, Karen. Could you take me back to the beginning? You were with Anthony Albanese's campaign. Can you tell me about where you went and, and what happened? We started last week with the Albanese bus when I was on it uh, at his old high school, actually, the St Mary's Cathedral College in the middle of Sydney. Here we go, the press conference at St Mary's School. Well, thanks very much for joining us. <laughs> he grew up there and he was going back to his old stomping ground. He was talking education policy. He was accompanied by his shadow education minister, Tanya Clipperset. It brings back memories. I was here for eight years and it's a part of who I am. 
was the values that I learned at this school. But it was also an opportunity for him to talk to the boys and in front of the cameras to, to talk a bit about some of his messages about education and the importance of opportunity. And he was mobbed when he arrived. We see that on election campaigns now and then. I remember a famous time when Paul Keating went to a school and was mobbed by school girls climbing up the fence and shrieking. I think it was actually in 96 when he lost, incidentally, but Anthony Albanese was certainly being mobbed uh, by, by the kids at this school and uh, seemed to enjoy being back there. It was sort of one part policy and politics and one part nostalgia. Very popular this morning, Mr. Anthony. And then we headed off on a three, it was a three-state day. We flew the next morning from Sydney to Adelaide. And then from Adelaide back to Melbourne. And there were visits to marginal seats in both places, the seat of Boothby in, in Adelaide. Well, this is my fifth visit to South Australia this December 29th. Seat of Chisholm and then a, a brief swing through the seat of Deakin. Mind you, how good is All of which are liberal held. He went to childcare centres. He was talking about low-paid workers. This is Michelle, the mum of three. Um, Michelle. And then I, um, I jumped off the campaign trail and the bus rolls on without you. And then I, I went home again. So I think probably in the end, Labor did okay out of, out of all of that. But there was an, a definite emphasis on wages and certainly there's been an emphasis on the caring um, occupations of, of aged care and childcare. Mm. And so how confident does the Labor camp seem? Do you think that Anthony Albanese actually thinks that that he's going to win this election? I think he's hoping he's going to win. I think he is confident. He looks like a person who feels more confident than he was at the beginning of the campaign. And it's interesting. It's not just a sort of a personal confidence. It's a it's a sense of stability of high office that he may be about to ascend to high office. Now, I think he's acutely conscious that millions of people still have to cast a vote. And he's certainly acutely conscious that at the last election, they trusted the opinion polls and the opinion polls were wrong and they got a terrible shock on election night. So they are very mindful that that could happen again and they're trying not to get their hopes up or to make assumptions. Nobody wants to be measuring the curtains, as it were. They want to make sure that they campaign right through. They're trying to manage the timing of everything so that they maximise their positive messages and make themselves a a good alternative, an alternative that people will be willing to place their trust in uh, ahead of election day. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, 
summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Karen, after spending time on the campaign trail with Labor, with Anthony Albanese, you switched and you're now with Scott Morrison on the Liberal campaign trail. So how does it compare? Do the two campaigns feel very different to you? Give a very warm welcome to the Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison. It's interesting, there is a distinction now that I'm out on the Scott Morrison trail. You can see that the pace of the Scott Morrison campaign travel is faster. They're covering um, a lot more ground more quickly. And he seems to be doing more events during a day. And that's not uncommon for someone who's behind at this point in the campaign. If you're the, the side that's deemed to be, based on the opinion polls at least, on the way to defeat, you tend to uh, be in more of a hurry and uh, have more urgency about your campaign. I had one focus as your Prime Minister. Save the country. Where I suppose it is a bit different is the themes are, while they intersect, there's a different emphasis, the styles of the two leaders is different and the schedules are a bit different. Because, as I say, the Labor Party is ahead, I think they are trying to taper off and not not rush around quite as much, not seem so frantic. The Prime Minister is, is trying to sort of cover the whole country in the last few days, get to as many seats as possible, defend as many Liberal-held seats as possible and, and dare to hope that he can even try and win some Labor seats back and hold off what the polls are saying is, is an incoming tide of Labor MPs. Okay, and so on the the weekend, Karen, the Coalition announced its new housing policy allowing people to draw down on their super for a deposit. The Prime Minister would be trying to to sell that policy to voters, I presume, in the final days of of that campaign. Is that what's happening and and how is the pitch going? Absolutely. He's emphasising that very heavily. He has been on housing estates, two in the last 24 hours. So we're... First job on Tuesday morning on the outskirts of Darwin at a housing estate, talking housing policy yet again. Talking about the opportunity of buying a new home and how this super policy will assist that. It's great to be here and it's great to be yet another thriving, growing community um, that's really just... First home buyers will be able to take up to $50,000 out of their superannuation to put towards a deposit if the Morrison government is re-elected. It was the batting away questions about whether it's just going to push the price of houses up. The Morrison government's superannuation plan for first home buyers has drawn strong criticism from many economists. His own minister, Jane Hume, has basically acknowledged that. You, you don't think this will lead to, to higher house prices? Maybe they'll make that decision to get into a home sooner, so perhaps temporarily, but it should work out in the long run. That wasn't something that went well for the coalition. They're trying to fix that up and talk about the long term and say that ultimately it's about helping first-home buyers get into the market. He's using this housing thing, which, of course, was, was the centrepiece of his last election campaign speech as well, a housing policy, to sort of hang his economic management stuff on. And he's talking now about his costings and about a coalition being a more secure option. He's talking about making cuts to the public service. 
which is an old theme of the coalition too, a safe one, because a lot of public servants, federal public servants live in Canberra, which is a, a Labor voting town. So he probably thinks it's a safe bet to be seen to be cutting back on so-called fat cats. They've had a lot of cuts already, so there isn't an awful lot of fat to, cu- to cut anymore. But it's something that he can say that's, that uh, allows him to say that the coalition is conscious of how big the budget deficit is and they need to try and trim it. And he wants to sort of save a billion dollars from these public service cuts. So it's all about the messaging, really, here on the Morrison campaign, really pushing his messaging very hard. And you can see why people dub him Scotty from marketing, because he is very, very adept at messaging and at talking and talking and talking uh, and putting his point of view and turning every question into an answer that he wants to give. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, Karen, because I know that you spent the last week of the last election campaign back in 2019 with Scott Morrison when he pulled out that surprise victory. So compared to that last election, how does Scott Morrison seem to you now? Um, it's it's interesting. He he doesn't look like a bloke who's going to he thinks he's going to lose, except for this urgency. There's an urgency about everything he's doing. He's not as relaxed, I think. Now, last election, we we believed the opinion polls and we thought that Labor was going to win. So I was looking very closely to see whether there were signs in Scott Morrison's public presentations of the knowledge that he wasn't going to win and he wasn't going to be Prime Minister, which must be a, a strange feeling approaching an election if you think you're actually not going to be Prime Minister anymore after Saturday. That's not massively evident yet, if, if it's coming at all, but he is more urgent. He's racing around. It reminds me a bit of how Tony Abbott was racing around at one election campaign, uh, flying here and there, um, trying to cover as much ground and do as much as possible in these last few days. Now, maybe it will be effective. It's a complicated election with lots of marginal seats and lots of factors involved. And that's what's made it a bit, a bit hard to track. And that's why people are a bit hesitant about looking too much to the opinion polls, even though those pollsters have changed their methodology since 2019. There is this urgency about him uh, that has sort of built and built through the campaign. But I wouldn't say he looks like he's given up. Not by a long shot, no. Mm, We'll find out soon whether it's worked. Um, Karen, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Where are you off to now? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's we a mystery. It's a mystery. It's always a mystery. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, new polling suggests the gap between the Coalition and Labor has narrowed, but that Anthony Albanese is still slightly more likely to win the federal election on Saturday. The latest Guardian Essential poll found Labor has a 2% lead over the Coalition, with the opposition on 48% and the Coalition on 46%. 7% of respondents were undecided. And the United States has become the first country in the world to surpass 1 million deaths from COVID-19. The country is currently dealing with a wave of COVID-19 hospitalizations, 
due to highly transmissible subvariants of Omicron. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.